Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's not constitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show, my husband, J.C. Hall. Woo-woo-woo! And no, we're not live right now because we are in Thanksgiving week. J.C. and I are going to take a little downtime. Uh, so we're sort of front-loading some things and, and giving you some education to hold you over until the holidays are over. Don't eat too much turkey. Uh, don't eat too much too many GMOs. Make sure you stay healthy and get lots of sleep. The tryptophan and the turkey breast should help you with that. Football. Rah-rah. Rice and, Rice and black-eyed peas. Black-eyed peas. And something else. I thought that was New Year's. Oh, is that New Year's? That's New Year's. Black you're Eyed right, Peas is New right. Year's. Black Eyed Peas is New Year's. We're you not like there yet. one for wealth and one for wisdom. Or... Yeah, that's New Year's. Okay. That's New Year's. My parents had the, my mother had the tradition, my mother and my grandfather had the tradition in New Year's of pickled herring. What? Yes. No, no, no. That was the tradition. You had to have a dollar in one hand and a pickled oh, yeah, herring in the, in the other. Yeah. And at the strike of midnight, you hold the dollar in your hand. I was like, man, dream bigger than a dollar, right? And then you, you eat the pickled herring. And that was somehow supposed to be some kind of magical combination to wealth and health for the next year. I don't know. I grew up in I the South. I don't know where pickled uh, herring comes from. You know, so it was, that, <laughs> it reminded me, that was the third, the third thing. So it was rice, black-eyed peas, and uh, money in your pocket. Money in your pocket. Money in your pocket. You don't go into the new year with money in your pocket, yeah. then you won't have money in your pocket the whole <laughs> the year. The year. <laughs> Woo! I'm so glad that uh, superstition is not in charge of my prosperity. Right. Right? Amen. Hey. <laughs> Can we get an amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I have a father who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, yeah. and he said, all I have to do is ask, trust, and obey, and it is said work, too. Work. Oh, yeah. Work. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm entitled yeah. to my inheritance, Lord. Yeah, get, to <laughs> get to work. If you don't work, don't you don't eat. eat. <laughs> well, these, you know, uh, just for the new time listeners or the uh, first time listeners, we are a teach show and not a talk show. So we try to take aspects of the current events, some things that uh, you're hearing, but most likely probably some things you're not hearing. And teach you what's really going on while all the distractions are happening around you. And something really, really important is happening in, in well, 
yeah, is happening, happened, will happen in the Supreme Court. You know how that works, right? So they, they, they take a case. See, when the Supreme Court agrees to take a case, that's significant. Mm-hmm. And when they agree to, uh, when, when they give their opinions on uh, preliminary matters, that's significant. So if you have a motion to uh, compel or you have a motion uh, to, uh, to block something or some injunction or something, when the Supreme Court takes that into consideration, that's significant. But we also know when they offer the certiorari, that means they're going to be deciding on it in the future, right? Well, this is actually one of those cases. And uh, I learned about it on Reason. And uh, which is a good website, by the way, reason.com. Yeah, I like Reason. Reasons n- n- now, just like any. Yeah, I don't agree with everything. I don't agree with anything, too. Good. But they yeah. have a tendency of covering these kinds of issues that fall under the radar. Yeah, Reason, you don't get just the same old left, right. Right, exactly. Know, controlled opposition. Controlled opposition. That was what we were talking about. They're the independent. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. They're not. Yeah, the, yeah, they try to be. They sure. try to be. All right, so in this headline, Kagan and Gorsuch clash over judicial deference to the administrative state. Now, this is, JC, this is a really, really important case to me on many, many rounds. So what this is, is uh, a case, oh, and I lost, I lost the, oh, Kaiser v. Wilkie. This is, do you know the Kaiser case? That sounds familiar. That's the, I thought you, I thought that look on your face. So Kaiser is a guy who filed for disability uh, from the VA for PTSD in 1982, Mm -hmm. and they denied his claim for PTSD in 1982. Well, he went back in, uh, and I don't remember the exact date, but like 20 years later with proof that he had PTSD, a psychologist's assessment and all of that, filed for PTSD benefits from the VA, and at the later date, they approved it, but they right. didn't backdate it. Mm-hmm. And so he said, wait a minute now, you need to date my disability back to my first claim. Right. And the VA said, uh, well, that's not how we interpret this, this, uh, you know, this act, this legislation. This is not how we interpret that. So we're only going to do it from this one. So all this case is not only about veterans. It's not only about the VA administration. It's about administrative agencies being able to define the terms by which they operate. Gotcha. Gotcha? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So You spring this kind of stuff on me, man. Why do I spring this kind of stuff on you? Uh, just the stuff that gets my blood pressure up. <laughs> well, this it's way, like this the chick so in the court the other right. day arguing you can lie and cheat. Yeah. You know, and steal too. If you did not see that episode that we kid. did on the CPS the California Child Protective Services last week. You've got to go to chrisanhall.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, watch the ticker up there. It says libertyfirstuniversity.com right now. But in a minute, it'll say chrisanhall.com. Go to chrisanhall.com and watch the episode about the government stealing yeah. parental rights. Yeah. We were the CPS attorney before a federal court Trying to justify CPS agents not only lying, but actually fabricating evidence. Yeah. 
So same steal children. So it's the same thing for me that a person that you know a person can make that argument, mm-hmm. like John said on YouTube, how somebody can sleep at night. Yes. And do this. So, so same same thing here with the VA. This stuff pisses me off. Yeah, yeah, you heard that right. It pisses me off. I mean, how that? Why are you arguing this? Why would you say that? Just do the right thing. Just do, do the, right, the thing. right thing. We don't interpret it that way. It's like you're going out of your way to deny, like you've already agreed, this is authorized mm-hmm. to pay this guy back for his service and basically well, and that's your the harm crazy thing, to him. He didn't have any service between 1982 and the yeah. new one. The PTSD is all related to the original yeah, so, service. And they know that. They know that. So it's just simply do the right thing. So people, when I hear this, then then I know there's one thing I know. The one of the things that ought to happen will never happen because right. it's not part of this process. And that is whoever made this decision, whoever's saying that, whoever's making this argument ought to be gone. Gone. Right. Whoever they should that not, is in the in, not be in, allowed yeah. to serve veterans. Right. Exactly. Period. You right. should be gone. No. Nobody should be able to get away with making that kind of argument. But the problem is that's the philosophy of the Department of Veterans Affairs. You remember when when we when I was going through my battles with the VA yep. and we went to the VA hospital in Lake City, Florida, and they were having some staff meeting, which yep. we didn't realize was a staff meeting. <laughs> we actually thought that it was open to everybody. Yep. And so we went in and part of it was we walked in and we just sat down with authority like we thought yep. we were supposed to be there. You it know, it was an auditorium. It was in an auditorium. There was a sign outside and everything. We went in and sat down. So nobody questioned us being there. And we realized very shortly after sitting down that this was this was actually some kind not of staff meeting yeah. It was not for us. And the director of the VA of our region was standing in that auditorium giving directives saying, our mission here is the bottom line. Yeah, I remember him saying, I mean, I remember these words because it was so burned in my brain. Because the blood pressure seared. Literally coming out of his mouth. This this is is in a VA hospital. hospital. I mean, you got, you have all these... Everywhere. You know, veterans and people missing limbs and maimed and just beaten and abused on all of these, uh, you know, concocted wars uh, by the United States government. By had, the cabal. Had, yeah, basically abused and misused these people. And here the guy, the director of this facility is standing there with all these men and women around in that hospital. And he said, and I'll never forget, and he said, it's not about serving veterans. It's about the bottom line. I never, I mean, I, I was just shocked. We looked at each other like, I know. did did he just say I that? I know. It's one of those things I wish I had recording then, you know? And he was talking, what yeah. he was talking about was... They wanted and, and to he, privatize. He, he laid out, he laid out uh-huh. you know, here's the first thing you need to do. The veteran shows up. You need to get their insurance information. That's if they have right. insurance That's information. Right. That's right. Then we got to go after the insurance we information. We got to go after back. the money. Yes, and and the that's money. when he said, it's not about serving veterans. This is about the bottom line. This was in like 1999. And or he said, I think you said this already. And he, he punctuated with, that's the mission. That's I the never mission. Him saying, that's the mission. That's yeah. the mission. Yeah. So, so what I mean, we. That's, that, that, that just. Trust me, I mean, that guy needs to be dragged out of there 
physically thrown out of that facility. Chasey, please tell me that Gorsuch is not going to do to me what Amash has done to me. Please. I, don't know. I cannot handle I can't, another political can't, heartbreak can't like that. that. But that. once again, this is Gorsuch standing on the right side of the Constitution. And uh, when we come back from the break, we're gonna, I want to get into the what Gorsuch says in this case and how this changes, has, has the potentiality of changing everything. And basically, before we go, I'll let, I'll let the cat out of the bag so you can do your research during the break. This has to do with a case called Our v. Robinson back in 1997. This case is something that even Scalia followed. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, where we are a teach show and not a talk show. That's why we have all our Liberty First gear, by the way so that you can be a walking billboard of truth. So you don't just pontificate, but you actually educate. Every one of our t-shirts not only has some kind of quick, ice-breaking liberty message, but we also teach something along with it. My favorite is the Women of Courage. We have Penelope Barker, we have Mercy Otis Warren. Of course, ladies, you know that mercy is going to be up there for me. Amen. And so we want you guys to be sure that you're you're participating in this, especially if you're in the, the habit of gift giving. Yeah. And I, I think mention, uh, I know it's going to be the holidays, but definitely tune in to the next show. I think we're going to do a, we met, we talked a little bit, we got a little bit into yeah. Federalist 65. Yesterday. We're going to do a walkthrough, paragraph by paragraph, paragraph. do a, basically a paraphrase. If you par paraphrase, you can clearly understand this is what it says. And then and be publishing that side by side paraphrase on the website. You don't want to miss that. I mean, so all, yeah. you got all the lefties foisting no, no, Federalist no, no, no. 75. No, no, no. About, well, 65, Federalist 65, not controlled lefties, opposition. the controlled opposition. Because <laughs> Both sides. the guy, well, by the time we, we do this tomorrow, I'm going to have the picture of the guy that was on Fox. Because mm -hmm. he's a well known guy, but you know me. JC yeah. always teases me if you weren't born before 1812, I'm not going to remember your name. Right. So I'll remember your face, but I'm not going to remember your name. You're going to know this guy when I show him to you. Mm -hmm. And, you and, and, you know, I mean, even on Fox. No, it wasn't Napolitano. But I don't doubt that Napolitano would. I don't, could Napolitano bastardize the Federalist Papers that bad, even with his, in his never Trumper kind of thing? Not, well, I mean, I mean, that's the whole reason. I, I don't he know. hates Trump that much. I, I don't think that he hates Trump more than... Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't... He does. Really? Yeah, he does. Oh, my goodness. I, no, no, no. He I can't hates Trump any. more than he... More, the papers. I can't handle any more of this. No, no. So, his hate for Trump is greater than his... His, his love uh, for the Constitution. Loyalty to the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, maybe loyalty is not the, the word, but his... his uh, Affinity. Fealty. Basically, fealty. getting yeah. it right. Right. You know, say, he'll twist it. Yeah. He'll twist it if it targets Trump. Yeah. All right, so this case, uh, Kaiser, Kaiser v. Wilkie is about the... By the way, the Never Trumpers just heard that as a pro-Trump statement. 
So like Mr. Salisbury just I guess probably thought. No. There there you go being pro Trump again. No, no, so that was a pro principle. So when you twist principle and target president, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter who the president is. Twisting the Constitution is still wrong. Throwing out due process is still wrong. So those shows, my friends, were were pro due process. Pro due process. They just coincidentally benefited Mr. Trump, whose due process was no, being violated. They benefit all of America. No, but in that context, they, they yes. were it was about President Trump's well. due process being violated specifically, which then destroys the due process of every other American. Which is why we do that on the Teach Show here, because if they can make those anti-due process arguments stick in the psyche of the people for the President of the United States, then the American people in general have no hope for any due process whatsoever. But this is why it's so ignorant and so dangerous. No offense, my friend, but I'm telling you the truth. This is why it's so dangerous that you don't like Trump so much mm-hmm. that you're so fixated on that and then then you won't defend due process. So when his due process is being violated in this, you're passing it on to your fellow Americans, mm-hmm. yourself, your children, grandchildren. So that's why we can't be tribalistic. So you can't listen to this show or any show that someone's trying to defend principle that just so happens to benefit Trump in that in that moment. And then you're automatically against what is being said because you perceive it as pro-Trump. I mean, that's how they get us to destroy our own liberty. That's why when you listen to this show and we've had we get we've gotten these comments for years and years and years because the same just like just like you, my friend, who are saying it's pro-Trump. Others with the same mindset, but on the different side, would say you're pro-Obama or whatever over the years right, because right. you've said stuff that, hey, this is wrong. And then Obama may have been, you know, it may have been seemed benefited him at, at, at the time as far as what we were saying, because it's about principle. And so that's why, you know, you're con- you're a lot like what we see going on with Trump, whether it's orchestrated or not. All sides come against you mm-hmm. because at any given moment, you're for or against their particular hero because it's always principle, which is supposed right. to benefit everybody. Yeah, well, even the we've got the the hard lefters hating me now because they call me a white supremacist. So, name calling. What is that fallacy of logic, Tracy? At home. Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Uh, I want to talk to you about this Reason article. Oh, sorry. Where did that go? There it went. This Reason article, uh, Kagan and Gorsuch clash over judicial deference to the administrative state. This is a case called uh, Kaiser v. Wilkie. Remember, this is the veteran we were talking about because the VA said, no, we don't interpret that rule that way. Now, how they can get away with this is because of a Supreme Court precedent, okay? You know, the precedent, because 
if you watch the CPS case that we went over last week, you see how it warps the minds of these people. Yeah. We had this attorney who, you know how many people said to me uh, in, the, in, the show, in the show comments, I just simply could not figure out if she was that stupid or if she was just trying to right. represent her, her client. client. Well, I'm going to tell you, this woman is not stupid. She is ignorant. Brainwashed. She is brainwashed. And this is what this looks like. These people in our judicial system today literally cannot think without having some court case telling them what to think. Yeah. They it, cannot think without having a court case telling like them. Like in that case, there's a law. Yes. Like even, yes. even when the judge said, there is a law, law against this. And she goes, well, still, there's no court precedent. There's no precedent to tell me how to believe, which how to means, follow that law. Which means yeah. someone had to have violated the law. It went to court, went all the way up to the Supreme Court, you know, yeah. or federal court to create a precedent. So it's basically saying because nobody ever violated that law, took it to court, and had the court issue a ruling. So that's like if you follow her logic, laws really mean nothing. nothing. So any law that nothing. hasn't actually gone through the court system and set a precedent is actually a non-entity to her. It's a non-entity. So what what causes this confusion? It's a case called R. V. Robbins, A. U. E. R. V. Robbins, from 1997, and this our held that uh, an quote ambiguous regulation promulgated by a federal agency is challenge uh, when an ambiguous regulation is is uh, promulgated in a federal agency is challenged in the court. The judge hearing the case should defer to the agency's preferred interpretation right. and that it is controlling unless plainly erroneous or inconsistent with the regulations being interpreted. And since 19, 1997, which is something that Gorsuch handles in his, his writing in this Kaiser case, is it's not only been just a deference, it's been a complete uh, abandonment to whatever the whatever the agency decides that the rule is going to be, mm -hmm. it doesn't even it's not even bound by this uh, erroneous or inconsistent standard. It's first what they say, and then above and beyond anything else. So this is what Gorsuch says. He says it should have been easy for the court to say goodbye to our V. Robbins. In disputes involving the relationships between the government and the people, R requires judges to accept an executive agency's interpretation of its own regulations, even when that interpretation doesn't represent the best and fairest reading. He says this rule creates a systematic judicial bias in favor of federal government, the most powerful of parties, and against everyone else. How amazing is that? What we have is Gorsuch. I hope that he gets to be Chief Justice one day. I I'm just can't wait for that day. But um, what we have is Gorsuch, number one, recognizing that the federal government is, the, is more powerful than anybody who challenges them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the, that is a big step here. I think that is a really huge step. I think it's the it's something that the people who have to challenge the federal government recognize, right? 
But unless you're actually challenging the federal government in court, that might not actually solidify in your mind, right? Because when you challenge the federal government, the EPA, the IRS, the FDA, you are challenging a, an entity with a bottomless pit of resources. Yeah. In a judicial system that will cost you, and I'm not kidding, millions of dollars to complete. Yeah, don't forget they, they have the money printing machines. And they have the money printing machines, plus they have the force of government. Mm -hmm. So they can come and take all your stuff by force without judicial agreement, force you into the judicial process to try to get your stuff back, and then you have to pay through the judicial process for the privilege of fighting to get your stuff back. And our says, well, even if you fight, if the regulatory agency interprets their rule to say they can take your stuff from you, we have to defer to what they say. Right. Don't forget, you pay both sides. Yes, that's right. You're paying for their that's judges right. Thank or, their, you. or their lawyers, and you, you have to pay for yours. And you're paying for their lawyers and, your, <laughs> and the judges as well. You're paying for everything. No. The problem is, is that they're stealing from your neighbor yeah. and from your mother and your father and your aunt, your uncle and your friend to take to, to battle you in court as right. well. And printing money out of nothing. And printing money out Reserve. of nothing. Now, this is huge. I want everybody to recognize how big this is. The fact uh, and, and, and look, the majority did not hold with Gorsuch. OK, um, it, it was Roberts that flipped with with uh, Kagan, Sotomayor, and Ginsburg, right? And so you have, and well, of course, then you have, what's his face? Clarence Thomas? No, no, no. Thomas Alito and Gorsuch. Gotcha. And uh, so anyway. Kavanaugh. And Kavanaugh on one side and then the other five. I always forget the other guy's name. Out there. Breyer. Man. Breyer. Man, that's Breyer. So. That Roberts. So, but he's a big government guy. Obviously. No, 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 no. Remember, healthcare. Gorsuch, uh, Roberts knows the right thing. Roberts understands state sovereignty. Roberts understands the Constitution. But Roberts has somebody's hand up his backside. Kind of like Hamilton. Yeah, kind of like Hamilton. So, so we need to research. Uh, Roberts, Rothschild, and Rothschild connections. Bilderberg. Somebody got to him. Yeah, right. Somebody controlled. Exactly. He's, a, he's so, somebody's puppet. Somebody's puppet. He's absolutely somebody's puppet for one reason or another. But the fact that this discussion is actually being held now, openly in public, in writing, in the Supreme Court, is absolutely huge. So remember, I told you, Scalia. Eaton Scalia never even went as far as Gorsuch is going today. Scalia under R said, well, the EPA interprets that they have the right to, to identify, define carbon credits and then to create regulations regarding carbon credits, right? To, you know, that, that sort of thing. So he, even Scalia didn't even step up this far. Now, I want to read to you what Gorsuch says in this. He says, where, now this is Gorsuch in his writing in this case, Kaiser. Where did R come from? 
not from the Constitution, some ancient common law tradition, or even a modern statute. He's like, none of those things is where we got art. Instead, it began as an unexplained aside in a decision about emergency price controls at the height of the Second World War. JC's mind is like, right now, right? He says, even then, dictum sat on the shelf, little noticed for years. Only in the last few decades of the 20th century did lawyers and courts really begin to dust it off and shape it into the reflexive rule of deference to regulatory agencies we know today, and they did so without ever pausing to consider whether a rule like that could be legally justified or even made sense. R is really more, a uh, little more than an accident. Hmm. So what you have is a case about emergency price controls by the federal government during write, Second World War. And somebody writes a note on a napkin. Yeah, basically, right. That's what dictum is. Somebody said something, whatever. But you know that happens a lot. Oliver Wendell Holmes, his whole statement about shouting fire in a crowded theater, that was dictum, and it became, it's still today repeated. Oh, you know, there's limits to the First Amendment. You can't shout fire in a crowded theater. That's what the Supreme Court said. I just saw that. No, that's not what the Supreme Court said. And even Wendell Holmes went backwards and said, that's not what I said, people. Are you dumb? Yeah, I just saw that two days ago. Again. I... I, I want to like post the article that I found. We need to set that aside. There's a really great article. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes just as dictum for you. Uh, so you can understand. Message in a bottle. Ugh, crazy. But here's how this happens. You now have some Supreme Court justice sneezed while he was writing his opinion. And that sneeze decades later becomes something that the legal world refers to as law. Remember the, 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 the attorney in the CPS case kept calling it the lay of the land. The lay of the land is changed. The lay of the land is changed by, from opinion to opinion. When you, when you get with these people, JC, who actually believe that court opinions become law, when court opinions become the ruling nature of the land, you are literally blown to and fro by every whim and word. And now what you have is a precedent that evolved from absolutely nothing at all. I mean, that just defies the laws of physics, right? You, you, creating something from nothing at all. And it has ruled now over the people, and I say that in the strictest of terms, ruled over the people, because now we've had Supreme Court after Supreme Court after Supreme Court say, well, you know, we have to defer to the regulatory agency's self-interpretation, governing themselves writing their own rules, making up their own stuff as they go along.
Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Look, if you value what you hear today, if you value what you see today on YouTube, what you're listening to in your podcast, what you're watching on Roku, please partner with us. It's so easy. What does it cost, JC, to partner with us? Five bucks. Five dollars. Less than a grande frappuccino. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, JC wouldn't know. He doesn't speak coffee. But how many things can you think of? My goodness, it almost costs five bucks to buy a candy bar these days. And you can support Liberty Truth like this. Tell them how they do that, JC. Text IMPACT2020 to 33777. Stop what you're doing right now. 33777. Pause the video. Pause the podcast. Get your cell phone out, text 33777. Oh, sorry, I did it wrong. That's why you do it. Go ahead. Text IMPACT2020 to 33777. Support this so that we can make this the best that it can be. And beyond all of that, please remember to share what you hear today with everybody that you can think of. And we thank all of those of you who share every day. So what we have, what, what's amazing that Gorsuch says uh, in this, this opinion that he's writing. So he's writing, see, here's the thing. They have issued a certiorari for this case, and Gorsuch is concurring with the certiorari, right? Mm -hmm. But he is telling them, you are doing the wrong thing because they wrote a certiorari. They didn't just issue a certiorari like they do in, in your coming. Kagan actually wrote an opinion for the certiorari that backs our. And, and Gorsuch is like, you guys are nuts. We got to stop doing this. And what he actually says is you, you don't even realize that you're undermining judicial authority when you're telling the judiciary whose job is, even by the founders themselves, to determine what law is, Right. The court in Marbury versus Madison never said that it was the job of the Supreme Court to determine what the Constitution is. The, car, the court in Marbury versus Madison said it is the job of the Supreme Court to determine what the law is. There's a difference there. And Gorsuch is saying, look, you're telling these agencies, not only do they get to make up the rules, but they get to define them as well. And the governing body created in separation of powers is not allowed to do its job. He's, he points out once again that the executive branch, remember regulatory agencies are the executive branch. You have the executive branch writing rules and you have the executive branch determining the meaning of those rules. And they are, there is no, under our, there's no check and balance at all. Right. None whatsoever. And so you have no check and balance. You have the executive agency ruling and reigning through these regulatory agencies. By the way, Gorsuch does mention these are bureaucrats that you did you never elected. Yeah, they asked the core problem is Congress, you know, giving away yes. oh, their, he mentions that. their power to unelected bureaucrats. Which Congress, you know, doesn't have the authority to take constitutional powers and divest them into other agencies. 
Well, what they're doing, what they, how they get around that, JC, is they write the, the, the legislative acts that creates these agencies, they write the legislative acts that authorize them to make the rules, and they write them so vaguely that the agencies have no choice but to fill in the blank. Now, I'm not making an excuse for them, but they have no choice but to fill in the blanks. But what happens in the breakdown now since 1997, right, is that, hey, look, um, guess what? What we have now is Congress inserting vagueness. Yeah. The, the, the executive branch is filling that vague hole, and there's no check there whatsoever. So you have Congress um, very craftily creating Frankenstein creating, and turning them loose in the village. Exactly. Because now they're not responsible. They can say, oh, well, it wasn't us. Mm -hmm. Right? Frankenstein. Or Frankenstein's monster, I should say. Frankenstein's monster, Frankenstein right. was the doctor. So actually, Congress would be Frankenstein. And yes. And these regulatory agencies are Frankenstein's monster. Absolutely. And I'm just, I just want everybody to keep their eyes open for Kaiser v. Wilkie. This is a huge case. Gorsuch said, um, Ara is on life support. Let's, let's put it out of its misery. Let's end this violation of the people's rights and due process. And I think we need to stand behind Gorsuch on this. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next time.